Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner since 96. And as always, joining me here this evening is Adam Keys. Adam, are you ready? I am ready. All right, first question. Was this a freak result or a result that was always coming? Uh, always coming. Have we found our left eight in Kai Havertz? Yes. And does Kivior deserve more minutes? Yes. All right, good stuff. Adam, thank you for joining me here on a Wednesday evening. We're just talking off air um, about spending worse Wednesday evening. So not a bad result all in all, Um, but... um, yeah, not I think bad, we can. I bad. think we can. We can tighten up a few areas. Um, maybe score five more goals in the second half instead of just the one. <laughs> How are you feeling after that result? Yeah, boss, and I think uh, at four 0 I called my dad, and he was at work. I was like, "Are you home yet?" And he was like, "No, what's the score?" I was like four 0 Couldn't believe it. One of those like just brilliant. The it's like electrifying football in the first half, and just. A really beautiful game of football to watch. Thought we were exceptional, front to back, really good. So, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Yeah, absolutely buzzing that we're top of the league. Well, top of the league and top of the Champions League group table. Um, just before Arsenal kicked off, I had the the pleasure of watching uh, United's demise um, as they as they went from uh, free one up to drawing free free um so that was and th- that kind of set the mood for the the game against Lons. look i wasn't expecting much from the game it was very much kind of a almost a dead game we kind of knew what we were expecting but then again this is the champions league we shouldn't take anything for granted um but it was very refreshing to see arsenal dismantle a team in a way that we haven't really seen them do it and we're going to talk about that in a little bit more detail but all in all very, very pleased with the result. Very pleased to see six different goal scorers on the um, score sheet. And also very pleased to see Arsenal win their 100th Champions League game in style or um, produce a win. Was it 100 Champions League wins? I think something Arsenal uh, media posted. It's either 100 um, Champions League wins or I'll tell you. Yeah, it's 100 Champions League victories. So, and we did it in, in some style. So, you, look, you know, Arteta's got us right at the top of the Premier League, right at the top of the Champions League, still not playing our best football. You really can't complain. And I'll tell you what makes me quite giddy. The fact that the football community as a whole knows it. They know that Arsenal aren't playing, aren't at their best, but still managing to produ- produce wins. Um, grinding them out and doing it in, you know, I think really quite extraordinary fashion as well in a defensive um, sort of way. So look, let's get into the chat about the game itself. Before we do that, let's have a quick um, summary on, on on how we felt about the starting lineup. Um, any surprises for you? Any expectations? I thought Trossard would have got a start given that Jesus had been out for so long, played for Brazil against Argentina, then had that long flight and then played on Saturday. However, and I think it's a bit harsh on Trossard that he was dropped, but look, I mean, I had no complaints at all given the side that went out. My view was go out, let's get the job done and let's get players off in the second half. And that's exactly what we did. So honestly, I'm more than happy with the team that played tonight and how we lined up. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't really have any thoughts um, for the for the for the past few weeks. I haven't been. I don't know what it is about the starting lineup, but it just doesn't really phase me anymore. Um, and I just feel like no matter who's out there, they're gonna do a job. Um, so as long as we're not seeing players like would you respect to them, Cedric Suarez or Mohamed Elneny, players like that, you know, fringe players. Um, 
I think whether it's Kai Havertz in that role, whether it's um, someone like Trossard, whether we're playing in Ketia up front or Jesus, everyone's almost on a same kind of playing level. Um, not 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 in the, in an abilities um, comparison, but I don't know. Like as a team, we've gelled so well over the last couple of years. It doesn't really make a huge difference who plays because as a team we're able to knock the ball around in a similar kind of fashion having said that though the role that we saw to- uh, Takahiro Tomiyasu play tonight compared to um, the game against Brentford night and day and again it made a difference that overlapping run that you know getting mm. into advanced positions really supporting Bakaya Sakura so we can um, we can we can talk about that in a little bit more detail but um, yeah I guess when players are playing the role that they that, that, that they should be. For example, if our fullbacks are doing the roles that Arteta wants them to, perfect, happy days. Um, but otherwise, it can get a little bit, you know, uh, difficult. Um, but yeah, happy, happy with the starting lineup. Um, it all made sense. You know, it was the same 11, I think the same 11 who played the last few minutes against Brentford. Maybe... Um, I don't know if if Arteta made any other changes against Brentford. Jesus was off at that point. Right, fine. Um, But yeah, it's not a huge difference. Yeah. Okay. So the game itself, because we've got loads to talk about. We've got five different goals to analyse. We've got individual players to kind of... Six, yeah. So five in the first half, six goals to talk about, um, individual players, performances, and... You know, I think where better to start than um, the opening exchanges? Um, not really much to talk about because we saw the first goal come quite early on. Uh, how, how did you? Uh, what, how did you think Arsenal were going to start in uh, in that opening ten minutes compared to what we got? Kind of how we did. Nothing really surprised me. I think it was similar to what we've seen where. First 10, we establish ourselves, we gain control, we get the ball moving. And it was kind of how I thought it would be. Lons had, they've got a competitive side. They were running at it. They were working. They moved the ball on the deck when they had it. And look, I just felt like they're a an okay team playing against a much, much better side. And I think it looked that way early on. And it just felt like once we fully kind of clicked into gear, we were going to blow them away. And um, that's pretty much what happened. But yeah, it was just the opening exchanges where what we've seen a lot of this season, it was not quite 100 mile an hour, not, but very much, let's get control of this game. Let's assert our dominance. And let's not let them play. So what were your thoughts on the early stages? I, I was actually quite surprised to see them start as quickly as they did. I wasn't expecting it. I mean, it was a lovely start from both sides, really. Arsenal with a kind of free-flowing, quick tempo to their passing. Lons were pressing enthusiastically, which was helping with the pace of the game. Um, and so it allowed good attacking opportunities, good a- attacking moves from us. Um, with a variety of different moves as well. I mean, we were going down the flanks. We were um, opting to put deep crosses in from the edge of the box from, you know, Zinchenko, for instance, who put in a really nice ball in the back post. Jesus scuffs it. Um, very kind of, it was uh, reminiscent of one of the uh, chances that he had against Brentford. Um but yeah, I, I was I was equally quite surprised that we weren't pressing as much as we used to do. And that's something that I've realized um, over the past few weeks, we're one of the main differences in the way that we're playing now, and I guess one of the main differentiating factors for why we're not so um, chaotic, why we're not so you know attractive to maybe watch on the eye, is because we're a lot more measured. We're a lot more um, patient with with when we should you know close down the ball, when we should close down players. But look, when you've got players like Rice and Odegaard who are cons- uh, consistently pressing and you know always on the opponent's heels um, it's, it's it's only a matter of time before we're able to win back possession I was just looking at Lens um, where they are in the league table and league uh, and 
uh, the results that they've had. They haven't lost a game there since um, the end of September. So for a good part of two months, you know, been grinding up some pretty decent results. So um, good to see them uh, arrive at the Emirates with confidence. But it didn't take very long before that scoreline was changed um, to 1-0 for the Arsenal. Before that, though, um, again, a number of chances that were being created. There was uh, one with a lovely long ball into Saka. Um, Times is passing to Tomiyasu. Overlapping run very from very, very early on. Uh, the ball goes in to the box. Havertz's his header goes inches wide. And that kind of set the tone and the tempo for what was coming. Do you want to talk us through that first goal, seeing as it as it is, it happens to be uh one of your all-time favorites boy. in an Arsenal shirt? <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah. I I think I've been waiting for this moment. I, I felt felt very smug on Saturday whenever he scored the winner. So and then tonight, obviously, to follow it up. But look, it, it was one of those, it was, again, Tomiyasu heavily involved, plays a good ball in, um, goes into Jesus. And it's one of those heads it up. And I don't know if it's if Jesus means to just play it into the six in the hope that someone gets on the end, or if he is kind of going for goal and that's as much power as he can get on the ball. Because... He is under a lot of pressure, but it's one of those Kai Havertz is the only player to read it. He follows in really well, and he kind of goes in with a, a bit of an awkward-looking kick. It's like he is gangly, and he's big, and he's he's awkward at times, and then other times he can look very graceful, but he, he kind of half... It's like a lazy fly kick. And um, I think it comes off the keeper a bit, but, uh, but yeah, one of those, it's exactly what we talked about at the start of the season and pre-season when you looked at his numbers last year he ranks number one for runs into the box and that was very much a how are we going to upgrade on Shaka it's we're going to get a player who can run into the box more add those goals and that was something that we saw a bit of in pre-season and what's funny about pre-season is he scored the header uh, in pre-season very similar to the one he scored against Brentford and then he also scored a goal very, very similar to this, where he gets in at the back post and scores kind of a tap-in with his back, uh, with uh, an extended toe. And they were both very similar goals to these two. So, look, I think he's a player that his confidence was just on the floor. And it's taken time. I think since the penalty against Bournemouth, his performances have been better. I definitely think it did something for his confidence. It wasn't going to unlock him overnight, but we've seen the likes of the Newcastle game. He was a lot more committed. And it was right. We're seeing the work off the ball. We're seeing all this intelligence. Now we need to see the things we fought you for on the ball. And I think we're really starting to see them now. So I, I was really happy whenever he scored. I think it's always important whenever a player scores and they get that big moment is following it up. And... It's like I think Reese Nelson had that huge moment against Bournemouth, and then he doesn't get playing again. He's he's not had anything to follow that up with on a regular basis. So this was really important for Havertz. And I did tweet about two hours, three hours before kickoff that confidence is about momentum, and that's why it was so important that he started tonight. And then I, to be honest, even I didn't think he was going to score. But so I was really, really pleased what he did because I think it's a huge thing for the team. And it's one of those, it's it's about the team. It's not about Kai Havertz. And we, a confident Kai Havertz will make us a better team because clearly Arteta believes very, very strongly in him. And we will be better if we've got a confident player. Let's take a few minutes to talk about Kai Havertz because he, he really impressed um, in that game. And... I think he played the whole ninety, didn't he? Or did he get? Yeah. Take, I think he, did he take it out? Did he, he, yeah, he played the whole ninety. Um, and I, I, I felt like it was his best performance in an Arsenal shirt, to be honest. Um, the goal itself, well, it was a scuffy, you know, uh, near the kind of uh, goal lining, um, or, or you know, just hanging about in that, um, eight yard box, six yard box, a six yard box, isn't six, it? Yeah. So, but th- that's this is the beauty about Havertz that we don't ha- we haven't addressed yet, and 
this is something that we've been missing at Arsenal is players being in the right place at the right time. Jesus is great for all the work that he does off the ball, but he himself said it. His best attributes are the things that he does um, which doesn't, you know, which isn't related to scoring goals. We don't have someone like Havertz who finds himself in that six-yard area um, waiting to just, you know, pounce when, when, when the opportunity is right. And against Brentford, again, just right place, right time. And before he scored the goal against Brentford, there were a few other opportunities where he was just there lingering around, just waiting for the ball to drop. We don't need someone to... And I think because we've been so spoiled with... Um, eye candy type of players, your Odegaard, your Sackers, your Martinelli's explosive players who are so good on the ball. And we've got we've neglected the players who do the unattractive things or the the basic things that are also quite important um, to you know get the uh, all the mechanics in a in a team um, working at optimum level. And he offers something that no other player does. And I can't remember the last player. Um, maybe Giroud. Maybe someone like. I don't know, um, Adebayor, you know, someone who's just good at just finding those spaces. Um, and not only that, he he offered a great deal of assistance. I think at one point I noticed that there was a little bit of tactical tinkering between him and Jesus, where they had swapped position. Jesus was playing almost as a, as a false nine and he was um, the lone striker. And that was nice to see because it took me back to last season when we were experimenting with the uh, alternating, you know, front three. And so if we're able to add that element into the games, um, it's it's another shock to the system for our opponents. You know, how do they set up against a, uh, a, you know, a team like this who have so many players who can play in so many different positions? Um, it's really nice to see him playing as a confident player. And you can always tell when a, when someone is performing and playing with, happiness with a smile on their face. And he made a really nice um, point at the end of the Brentford game. I think it was, um, yeah, it was a Brentford game when he scored and, and he made the point that he knows the expectations on his shoulders. He knows fans expect a certain caliber of performance. And so it's mm. nice for him to score. It's nice for the fans to be supporting him the way that they are with the chance, etc. Um, and, you know, it really underplays the role of fans as well. And I guess how much influence that we're having on his performance, because you can tell that yeah. the confidence was shot and it was dead for quite a long time. And yet the fans consistently persisted in carrying him, in pushing him, in offering him that extra boost of motivation. Um, I don't know, it's worked out. So far, so good. Two got uh, two goals in two successive games and a game where he really shone. He really played his part and he didn't look like someone who was going to be singled out. Like, you know, you can always tell when someone is a little bit hiding behind players or they make a little mistake and it, it had a, it has a hindrance on the rest of their performance. He was really, really impressive. And, you know, long may it continue. Um, let's talk about the second goal because it came, you know, I guess, actually we did have to wait uh, a good few minutes before the second goal, 10 minutes, or now be, you know, eight, nine, eight minutes. And then uh, we scored the, 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 the last few or the next few in like five minutes. Um, the second goal was scored by Saka. Is that right? Jesus. No, Jesus. It was Jesus. By the way, quick caveat to all the goals that we we, we scored. Um, I, I think it's fair to say the goalkeeper had a bit of a howler. If we, if we look back at the goals, first one should have dealt with maybe a little bit better. Second one could have got a stronger hand. Third one, don't know what he was doing with that punch. Gives it straight to Saka. Um, but yeah, talk me through the Jesus goal. What impressed you most with it, and you know, a, a quick, a quick um, comment on Jesus as well, who finds himself on the on the score sheet. Hopefully, easing that little bit of um, pressure that you know he put on put on himself. Yeah, really good play from Saka. He's got two defenders on him, and it's one of those like on by in real time. It looked like he kind of it's a tussle, and the ball breaks loose to Jesus. But when you see the replay. He holds off the defender and he bends his foot around it and passes it. It's an inch perfect. It's a very like intentional pass to Jesus. And that for me just sums up why Saka is so good. And there were a few moments actually before that, kind of in the opening 10 minutes, where Saka was off balance or there was a per pass or whatever. And he kind of awkwardly 
got the book in ahead of a defender and still got the pass to his teammate every time. And it kind of summed up to me why Sack is just so good and so effective because look, football isn't all about getting you off your seat. And we see all these all this nonsense online about Saka doesn't excite me to watch him. Look, the reality is you want effective wingers. You can have a player like Ricardo Caresma, who was one of the most exciting players I've ever watched in my life, turned up for 10 games a season and ended up back in Portugal repeatedly because he couldn't cut it at the top level. Football's about more than just adding excitement. And if you want a player that wins you games and titles and so on, it's ones that really make effective decisions in the final third. And that pass from Saka looked so simple, but to hold off a defender with another one on you and still pull that ball back, absolutely brilliant. And then Jesus's movement, he comes in like he's going to hit it, he kind of rushes at the ball and then just completely puts on the brakes, pulls the ball to one side, throws everyone off and drives it into the bottom corner. And it's what I, I don't really agree that the keeper should have got more on it because I think it's one of those that because he's dummied the defender and kind of really done him straight away, that that does the keeper as well. So the keeper would have been expecting a shot. And then the defender dives in. So again, that affects the keeper's vision. And Jesus uses that to his advantage. And when you watch the replay back, it goes fairly into the corner. It is, in my opinion, a very good finish and one of those. I don't know what it is about Jesus. Champions League anthem. He's an absolute animal. And then in the Prem, some of the chances yeah. he misses are so frustrating. But he just he was superb tonight. Absolutely brilliant showing. And hopefully that will give him the confidence because the last goal he scored in the Champions League was against Sevilla. And then he got injured in that game as well. So he was incredible that night where he had the turn for Martinelli, the ball through, then he followed it up with a goal, then he went off with a hamstring injury. So we haven't really seen him since that game. And um, I think, again, against Brentford, it's important to remember it was his first game back after a five-game injury. And so tonight was the first time. I thought he looked a lot freer tonight. He um, There was a few players like that. I think the, the lags of the international break, the travel and everything players go through. You do always see them. They, they just don't look as free when they're playing. But tonight, Jesus looked absolutely buzzing. He looked up for it. And he, he looked like he wanted to score more. So really pleased to see him score. And that's four goals in the, the competition so far for him. And four goals in four games. So because he didn't play against Sevilla. Yeah, something about playing under the lights, which brings the best out of players. And um, before we move on to talk about the rest of the goals, what do you think it was about Arsenal tonight that made them tick so hard in that first half? Why were we able to score so many goals in quick succession? But most importantly, why did we look so free? And why did we look so dangerous every time we went forward? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, we weren't necessarily, you know, playing in an ultra-attacking um, uh, style. It was very much a case of biding our time, finding the right moment. And actually, uh, a lot of that first half, despite us scoring five, um, Lons did have a good share of possession. They were able to hold the ball, move it forward. Um, and something about Arsenal, I don't know whether it's, I think we've got the best offensive uh, record in the league, but something about the way that we were able to nullify them as soon as they entered certain spaces gave us the license to quickly just pose that, you know, deadly attack, which would result into a goal. So from your perspective, what do you think it comes down to? I think there's three to? reasons because I have given this some thought. Firstly, this is the first time this season that we started Havertz, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and Jesus together. So that's a big factor. Uh, I think people forget that we have had injuries to all of those players bar Jesus. Odegaard's missed pretty much the last month. Um, Jesus the same. We missed Saka for the City game. And again, he was out for pretty much three weeks because of the duration of the international break. Comes back and obviously got back into a rhythm. And again, Martinelli was, had a long injury that took him out well into the beginning of preseason. Comes back from that and then picked up a hamstring injury and missed more games. So I think 
just being able to field our best players and fluidity. You want your best technical players on the pitch. You want your best attacking players, your fastest players, all those things. And we haven't been able to fill that team. So I think that that's one factor that's really overlooked. But and I think one of the reasons it's overlooked is because of how good we've been at the back, how good we've been in midfield in terms of creating a really solid base and the fact that we've been able to win games. So we haven't really made the deal out of it that we would have two years ago or even last season because if we lost those players last season, we would not have the number of points we do this year. Um, the second reason is we weren't facing another low block. So a bit like PSV on the opening weekend, they came out and played against us. Sevilla came out and played against us. And you will see more of that in the Champions League. At the weekend, at one point, Brentford had eight players inside their box, plus the keeper. If you think trying to break that down, and also Premier League teams are so well drilled, especially at Brentford, um, you've got double markers on Saka and Martinelli on either side, really nullifying your width. You've got Odegaard gets the ball really closing down. And I think as well, as I've just said, that was straight after the international break. And some of those players, Odegaard and Jesus, had missed a lot of football before it. So they were getting back to fitness. And then the final thing, which I have mentioned on the pod before, and it is slightly controversial because people don't want to admit it, Champions League teams, for the most part, with the exception of the top teams, are not as good as Premier League teams. Lons are not as good as Brentford. So they've got some players in that team like Wahi, fantastic player. But for the most part, a lot of those players would love to move to Brentford. And that, that is the reality of the, the Premier League has the most money, the most people watching it, the best managers coming, the best players. And in recent years, it, a gulf has appeared and there's only a handful of teams that are anywhere near as good as Premier League teams. So that is another factor in how we're able to beat them 6-0 and beat and do it with ease as well. I think it was how easy it was. If we wanted, we could have gone out and scored five in the second half as well. So it's, that, that's what I think. That was my three reasons. Okay, I, I want to quick. I just want to pick your brain on the second, um, uh, the, the second thing <laughs> that you that you pointed out. <laughs> why why am I finding it the, difficult um, to find find my words? The deep block space. Yeah, it's the second um, explanation. That's the word I'm looking for. The second explanation, which is the deep block. Do you think? Uh, do you think a lot of that comes down to? Arsenal's stubbornness to loosen up in possession because against Brentford we could have we 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 could have found a, a not no not necessarily an easy solution but a solution of sorts to handle the two wide men being marked out by the two defensemen for example you know Tomiyasu I mentioned was overlapping he was getting himself into advanced positions um do you think yeah. it comes down to arsenal's own insecurity of potentially you know what could go wrong if we lose the ball in key areas if we lose the ball in midfield and and, and brentford get an opportunity to counter attack is it that fear which is holding us back to um you know be as loose and as free-flowing as we were tonight um I- <sighs> I, I it possibly I, I can't say definitely not. I, I do think to my first point that with a lot of those players only returning, as I said, Jesus and Odegaard, that was the first game back in a month for Arsenal. Um Jesus had also flown eleven hours and in the second half he looked absolutely exhausted. And um, with the Brentford game as well, I think had the Trossard goal have stood, we would have had a very, very different afternoon because at that point we were really coming into the game and applying a lot of pressure to them. But I, I, the Brentford games are a really hard one to judge because it's straight after the international break. A lot of players did look quite leggy at times. But I'm, I, I do think there's an element of we are trying to be really controlled and structured out of possession. So a lot of the movement and the interchanging of positions isn't happening as much. However, it has happened in some some games. Like, for example, Sheffield United, Havertz and uh, Saka kept switching position. Havertz went into the, the right wing 
and Saka went into left eight, and that happened four or five times throughout the game. But it was very seamless, and like Havertz was actually hugging the touchline, and Saka went straight into the left eight. So I think it's definitely being trialed in a subtle way. But um, I think what Arteta has probably looked at is the number of injuries we've had in attack and thought, right, we're going to make sure we don't lose this. And if we keep playing our game, we will get chances and we will win. And we're top of the league because of that. So I think the excitement will come and I'm getting more excited about that as well. Sound can only mean one thing. We have arrived at the halfway point of the show where we will continue discussing the first half because guess what? There wasn't much to discuss in the second half. So I thought we would break the first half down into two sections and then um, be able to finish at a reasonably good time. Look, we try very hard here on the Arsenal Therapy Podcast to stick to our schedule. We have been, for the most part, um, been trying to finish the pod at a specific time. That time I will not um, uh, expose as of yet. I, I think it is, it's only fair that we keep that secret concealed and maybe the listeners can try and take a guess. Um, but I'm determined tonight that we finish on time. So um, usually we would, you know, let the first half finish and then um, have, have our little uh, transition if that's what you want to call it. Uh, but sorry, sorry, Adam, for, for interrupting you. Um, I think that um, we're now ready to move on to the third goal. So again, I think minutes later from the second, we score the third and it's Saka. He doesn't really need to do much, um, but deservedly gets himself on the score sheet. So talk me through that goal. What did you like about that? Firstly, um, Kai Havertz, uh, comes in, wins the ball, does really well to get in ahead of the defender and win it, drive forward and released it really well for Martinelli to get into the box. And he gets in well. One of those, I thought Martinelli could have gone and shot on his left and maybe a more confident Martinelli that had a few more goals under his belt does that and really just lashes at it. But cuts inside, I think there's an, like, there's power on the shot. I think you were right. The keeper could have done better. If that was Raya or Ramsdale, we'd be screaming at them. Then the first thing you're taught is you don't push the ball straight to an attacker. But at the same time, you don't push a ball, the ball straight out into the middle of the box. So it, it's one of those you are taught to push it towards the line, out for a corner. So I think he just gets a very bad connection on it. It floats up. And really what you need there is a really strong, firm hand. Saka's there, kind of just like chests it in and makes it look very, very easy. So it's another goal and another assist. He's actually only the third player in Champions League history to score and assist in three games in a row. But they said he was going to struggle in the Champions League and Arsenal fans have overrated him. What do we know? (laughs) Clearly not much. Um, And... You know, for all the hard work that he does, he does end up getting rewarded for it. Um, the attempt for the third goal, unsuccessful. Saka there, right place, right time. Or right time, right place. Uh, which way would you say it? Right place, right time? Right right place, right time. Okay. Martinelli does <laughs> end up scoring. <laughs> it's really not. No. Martinelli does end up scoring uh, the fourth. And it's a beauty of a goal. It's a brilliant clearance slash cross. And I think we need to spend some yeah. time talking about not just that cross, but also Tommy Asu, the man tonight, who I think was borderline very, very close to clinching. Um, for me, anyway, man of the match. He was so um, influential on that right-hand side, uh, just driving consistently. And obviously, you know, he came off for Ben White in the second half. But that first half performance comes down to very, very much comes down to him um, being as aggressive as he was. But yeah, talk to me about that um, brilliant Martinelli goal and and the build-up uh, to the goal. I just literally had another look at the Tomiyasu pass clearance as you were talking. And... It's one of those, I don't know. Like, I, when I watched it live, it was like, 
I thought it was a clearance, but then it was such a well hit, like well weighted. It was directed. Everything about it makes me think maybe it was a pass. It, I think it, there's definitely an element of a hit and hope. I don't think, given that someone's chasing him down, he is being closed and he's running towards the ball. I think he probably spots an opportunity out there and it's a mix of a clearance and a pass. But this was my favourite goal of the night, without doubt. It was just the sheer, like, the, the kind of like pace on that clearance or pass or whatever we're going to call it, and then the control from Martinelli. But this goal reminded me of Thierry Henry at the San Siro. He, he drives forward, he gets into the box, and he turns his man, then he turns him again, and then he comes inside and shoots. And Henry went back outside onto his left and cut across out of the keeper. But this was one of those. It was a player that I kind of feel he needed that goal as well. He's had um, a few weeks without scoring, and it, it, I think the Spear game was his last goal. But I just felt he needed that goal. We needed all our attacking players to get goals tonight, and they have. But look, this goal was just absolutely scintillating. It was one of those, I think that's one of those goals that you'll look back on and think, what a goal. Like, that was Martinelli at 22 scoring that. And just such a special player and perfect. Just such a great goal. And it's kind of what makes you love being back in the Champions League because Mm. we wouldn't be playing this team if we were in the Europa League. We would be playing walking pace football. We'd all be pissed off because it'd be a Thursday night. We'd obviously watch the game, but we don't want to because it's the Europa League and it's shit. And But that was all, that was magic of the Champions League and just a beautiful, beautiful goal. The beauty about these types of goals is you look at players like Martinelli and you reminisce on the times where he was nothing but a prepubescent little boy, you know, comes into the dressing room, looks around, wow, it's Arsenal Football Club. And now he's scoring in the biggest competitions. It really does make you, you know, look at these players differently. Um, it's almost beggar's belief that players like Bakayo Saka and Martinelli are leading the Arsenal boys into these competitions and are producing moments of magic. Um, and it's such a, what a great comparison as well um, with that Thierry Henry got very, very reminiscent of it. And, you know, I, I see, I see performances like this really taking him quite far into this competition. I mean, you know, we obviously yet to see who Arsenal are going to be paired up in the last 16, but look, if we're able to produce those types of moments, um, in the champ in the competition and not just you know against Lons, but we've done it against PSP, um against um God, who was the other opposition that we were playing? Do you remember the third team? Sevilla. Sevilla, that's Sevilla. How can I forget Sevilla? Um you know, in in all in all of those games, bar the 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 away game that we lost to Lons, you know, those players have been turning up and have been really pushing the limit. We just need to start seeing that a little bit more you know, consistently in the Premier League. I think, I don't know, I'm afraid to say it, but I think last season might have um, gassed us out a little bit in the Premier League, mentally anyway. Uh, I feel like because the Champions League is a fresh competition, it's what we've been working towards. Everyone's up for it. No, I I, I think it's... I, I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just teams are playing differently against us and... We've had so many injuries to attack and players, but we're still. Well, Liverpool have only scored one mm. more goal than us, and it's. I think it's when you put it into context of the results we've had, the teams we've already played. We've had a great start to the season. I think it, it just hasn't been electric, liquid yeah. football like it was last year. Every moment last year was like off your seat <laughs> madness, and there was also the unexpected element of it where at this time we were still like living week to week. Actually, this time we were at the World Cup. So um, it, it was like every game was just 100 mile an hour and like this crazy, like, can we do it again? Whereas now there's the expectation. And I think that's part of what comes into it. But but yeah, I don't think we've burned ourselves out. If anything, I think we're, we look much mm-hmm. more mature. 
And that maturity has been brought into the Champions League as well because we've been three clean sheets in five games there. Yeah, I guess when I was comparing the two competitions, I was talking more on an individual player's kind of perspective you know we sometimes we see players like Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli they will have the off game they might not give 110 percent there's just I feel like there's just something about the competition which just pushes players over the edge forces them to play in a way where it could be their last game Um, it's difficult to have that kind of I mean for any player it's difficult to have that motivation when you're playing in the Premier League because it's just it's another Premier League game you know, when, you're, when you're having to play away to uh, to Burnley or, you know, you're at home to Sheffield United, it, 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 it's a different feeling. And football is very much a game of feelings. It does conjure up that. I, I know. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know the, 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 the. I think, I think if, if, if any player, I, I, I don't believe any player in this. I think yes, players have an off day, but I think the no, player ever drops their motivation levels, especially in the Premier League, maybe in the Carabao or something like that, but certainly not in the Premier League. And if they did, they wouldn't be on that team. Arteta mm. wouldn't stand for that in the Premier League. And again, a couple of years ago, there would have been players that, yes, that would have happened, but not with this team. It's, um, I think the, the Premier League is just so competitive that that's the difference. But maybe a discussion to put on hold until it becomes something that we need to talk about. Um, there are a couple more goals to discuss in yeah. the first half before we summarize the second half. Um, so, you know, podcast being pretty much a summary of all the goals, a discussion of all the goals. But before we scored the fourth uh, and the last one, wasn't it, was it? No, it wasn't the last one. It was the fifth, wasn't it? The fifth and the last one in that first half. There's a bit of a gap. Um, and that it's, gap yeah. consisted of Lawns being allowed to come back into the game while he had uh, a moment where he was running down the left-hand side. Um, we managed to deal with the ball and there were uh, Medina, I think, sh- uh, struck the post um, at one point before that as well, but interestingly, it was it was nice to analyze us in a uh, in, in in a defensive way. Um, good to see how disciplined we were, and it looked like off the ball we were very. It was very much a four four two defensive shape. More interestingly, though, it was all eleven men behind the ball, and it didn't need yeah. to be. You know, when you're four 0 up and you're feeling as expressive and as free as you are, you can have. Odegaard and Jesus pushing the boundaries a little bit, but actually they stuck to their guns. They were determined to make sure that they were going to, they were going to stick to that rigid shape, making sure they closed down all spaces. Um, and it helped, you know, the, 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 the first, uh, the second, I think the second and the third goal, I think came down to um, just having such a well-disciplined shape um, without the ball. Now Odegaard is on the score sheet, scores the fifth, on the brink of half time, um, a beautifully struck volley, and the move um, again starts with a defensive clearance. Ball finds its way to Saka, dribbles down a flank, waits for Tommy's overlap, receives the ball, crosses it in beautifully. Um, I think the cross was intended for Jesus, uh, but Odegaard just, you know, right place, right time, arrives at the ball beautifully, strikes it really nicely, and finds itself, finds its way. Um, the, at the uh, bottom of the right-hand corner of the goal. I don't know why I, I don't know why it took me so long to to get that last bit out. But the first half ends Arsenal five. Yeah, yeah, it was one of those like. Now I'm just going to say Saka's the distance Saka carries it is actually quite far, and then just the timing of the release, the pace Tomiyasu's coming out. They, they cross itself and Odegaard's finish. Like, that's a really, really difficult finish and just beautifully placed. And it's right near the post as well. Like, there's no room for error there and places it perfectly. And again, he was one a bit like Martinelli. I felt he needed that goal as well. He had a bit of time out. His last game was West Ham where he came off the bench and he scored then missed a few games and then he had a pretty poor game against Brentford. So I, I think that'll be a big confidence lift for him. So hopefully we get what we need out of that. But yeah, beautiful finish. Absolutely yeah, super. and you know, that's pretty much, um, you know, game. That's pretty much done for us. We go into the second half with two changes. 
Uh, White and Kivior come on for Tomiyasu and Zinchenko. Tempo of the game changes slightly because of the introduction of the new players. Um, and, you know, I think being 5-0 up has something to, to do with it as well. Um, talk to me about the second half. There's not really much to talk about. I guess we can have a chat about the players who come on, how well that they did. I, I for one, was quite impressed with Kivior, who continues to impress as well. Whereas players like Vieira, who are given their chances, come on and don't really have that same effect. Uh, why is that? And, you know, are, are we are we right mm-hmm. in giving um, Kivior his you know praises at this point anyway in his Arsenal career? Yeah, I really like Kivior. I was thinking throughout the game of our defenders. And when Timber comes back, we'll have seven defenders, all of which could be starters. And I, I think the great thing about that group of seven is it doesn't matter who plays, you would feel confident in them. So I think the only defender that you would absolutely want on the pitch at all costs is William Saliba. But I, I'd be confident with Kivior coming in for Gabriel. I think he's a really good player. And I thought he did well tonight. One of those couple of times he was aggressive with his interception. He read things well. His passing was good. He he looked really hungry as well, which I always like to see when someone comes on as a sub. Um, but yeah, really impressed with him. I just thought, I think you're right to give him the praise. And I thought he was very good. Um, I thought Ben White was making a lot of good runs. And it was good to see him kind of stretch his legs after being out for a few weeks. It seems he's missed pretty much the, the whole international break. Seems like he wasn't training, he was recovering. So Arteta will probably be glad to see him on the pitch, getting him, getting those minutes in his legs again and getting him ready for the weekend. And But for Ben White, it's not going to be, a, does he start? Because Tommy Asi was fantastic tonight. Like two assists and... Just a, I thought a really, really good performance. And we talked about him, I think it was in the last part of the weekend. I was praising Tommy Asu and I was saying about how he's got his head down and worked and just really fought his way back into the team. And so, yeah, I was really impressed with him. And I thought Ben White was good when he came on. But the one that I felt came on at the right time was Jorginho. He, um, it was great to see Declan Rice get a breather. Same with Saka getting a breather, although I didn't think Nelson was very good when he came on. Um, but Jorginho kind of injected a bit of freshness to the game. He was playing some really nice passes, and I thought it was a really, really strong cameo from There was at one point um, he played that chip pass over the top, and Ben White went running through, and um, it, it led to nothing in the end. But I just thought there was a bit of inventiveness about him in the middle of the park, and just... You know how much I love Jorginho. I think he's a really nice player to watch. We we know what his weaknesses are, but in a game like that, you really see all of his strengths. And it was great to see him on the pitch. Again, keeping those minutes coming into his legs. He's an important player for us. But similarly, making sure Declan Rice gets 20 minutes at the end of the game to put his feet up when he doesn't need to play. So, look, all in all, I think we are critical of our tennis substitutions at times. But at the weekend, I think he got his substitutions bang on. And tonight, I felt that he did a really good job at keeping the players on that needed minutes and taking Saka and um, Rice off. And Zinchenko and Tommy Asu as well, because they both played quite a bit of football recently. So, so yeah, all in all, I was really pleased with that. And then Jesus coming off, I think it was around 81. And I, again, I yeah. felt get Eddie on the pitch and get him some minutes and get him some Champions League experience because you never know when he's going to be needed. So look, I, I think Arteta just handled the game well. I know there was a lot of fans would have liked to have seen Ethan Wanari and Miles Lewis Skelly get a run out. And I, I think we all would, yeah. but at the same time, I would... If Arteta is not planning on using them just yet, you would much rather them just be in and around the squad, get the experience of a match day, and then come maybe later in the season, get them on the FA Cup or something. Right now, we need to get minutes in the players' legs that are actually going to be playing because we've got enough players in the squad that the likes of Reese Nelson needs to get those minutes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think something needs to be said about the clean sheet as well. You know, being five up at half time is excellent. But what's even what's even more impressive is managing to defend that lead, um, not only adding to that tally, but also making sure that we leave the pitch uh, with a clean sheet without um, conceding a single goal. And, you know, right at the, at the death, uh, Gabriel makes a last ditch block before celebrating like he had scored. And that summarized the camaraderie, the character, the attitude of the defensive players. Um, Saliba and Gabriel have really conjured up a very, very powerful partnership, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's shining through every game now. You know, when we have, um, it doesn't matter who we have down the flank. So as long as you've got those two playing in the middle, um, we seem to be, you know, producing really impressive, influential defensive performances. And look, you know, Lons, for 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 all the good work that we did up up top, for the six goals that we scored, they did have their fair share of opportunities as well. They could have got a goal or two. Um, and I've just felt like we dealt with every threat really well when we didn't need to. The mentality of defensive players to come out with a clean sheet despite being six up is it, you know, it, it, it's, it's really good for us fans. It's really good for the club as well. Cause it shows that we are really building something quite powerful. The resilience of a well defensive um, mm. structured side, I think out, out uh, outweighs the importance of having uh, a team with really good attacking players. And if we look back in history at, you know, some of the title winning sides, um, it was really the defensive uh, players or the centre-back partnerships which would carry um, important results for them, which would, you know, inevitably um, get them the league titles. You know, when we think about partnerships, you know, Ferdinand, Vidic, um, Van Dijk, Matip, um, you know, our, our very own at the back as well. Terry Carvalho. Yeah, so... so and and I think Gabriel and, and Saliba fit quite nicely within those um, names as well. Yeah, and I think Declan Rice. I think it, for me, it's a trio. They, they they're a very yeah. solid trio. And uh, did you see at one point Rice played a great pass through the middle? We lost it. Came back. He makes a big like great, just a great challenge. Mm. And uh, every, every, everyone else fails to react. So they win the ball back. And Rice is like, no, I'm not having that. Straight back in and wins another one <laughs> and then gets yeah. us back on the ball. And it was one of those. Yeah. Again, he didn't have much to do tonight. Declan Rice is a player who gets better in tougher games. And like as, as games become like more intense, Rice gets more and more involved. Tonight, I he didn't need to do loads. He just needed to keep the ball moving, mop up when required. And let his forward players do it. I think that's a real kind of sums up how mature Declan Rice is. Like he knows that he doesn't need to be the hero every week. He was more than happy to just play the, the role of six tonight and let his teammates do the job. So so yeah, they, like those three as a trio, they're just gonna be so hard to break down. And then we obviously had the penalty as well. What did you think of the pen? The decision, when you saw it in real time, yeah. did you think that's a penalty or did, was it more like, hope Martinelli's all right? I didn't even, I mean, to be honest, I didn't even notice the incident because it all happened so quickly. Um, obviously, this is going to be a talking point because of what happened with Newcastle. Um, no, actually, it's not really a talk. I'm thinking about the incident that they looked at with um, Saliba. Was it Saliba? I think it was, uh, it was there was a moment in the game where someone... It was Havertz, right? It was, it was Havertz, Havertz. Yeah, yeah. So it, it came um, off his, so it came yeah. off his thigh and hit his hand. But we are talking ten centimeters apart, and the rep was like signaled about how close it was. So look, the Newcastle one was wrong last night; it shouldn't have been given. If we're going by the same stupid, no, no, it should have should been have given. It. it was a wrong decision, but it should have been given. No, I, I'm. I'm. The thing is, I'm. I'm not getting involved in that because I'm being consistent with my position on tribalism. It's like every time we <laughs> get excited when another team's wrong by a decision, it's encouraging yeah. this soap opera of refereeing mistakes. And 
then it's like the thing is the media created a Newcastle against Arsenal narrative and actually they completely took the heat away from the officials and it's like even I, I tweeted last night that the Newcastle decision was a disgrace and I said but it is funny that um, the same people that were criticizing Arteta are doing like cartwheels to try and defend Newcastle. My comments were just filled with Newcastle fans who have all taken it as a dig at them again. And it's not. That's the thing. It's a dig at the PGMOL and so on. And um, But just refereeing standards in general. Um, but it, it is important to note that the laws are different within UEFA competition than the Premier League. But it's um, that if it hits the body and then the hand, it's still a handball. So it's one of those, we could have had a penalty against us tonight, but we didn't. But no, the one that was given, what did you think of it? Um, interesting. We obviously thought it was going to be um, given against foul play. Well, it was foul play because obviously he dealt with his hand, but I thought it would, it would be given for foul on um, Martinelli, a little elbow to the face. He was... I don't know whether his his lip was cut afterwards. Um, he was definitely he was as, as he was mouthing off to the referee. That was definitely a fucking penalty. It seemed like there was some blood trickling on his um, on his lip. But uh, oh yeah, right, cool. You know, the ball comes in. I don't I didn't notice at first actually. It hit his hand, which is quite yeah. It was weird um, watching it back here uh, as as a replay in real time though. It just seemed like you know players just bumping into each other. Obviously, they were they stood quite close to one another. These things happen. It's contact sport. Um, bit soft, maybe. Bit unlucky, obviously, for the player who had his hand um, over, you know, that high up. But it, it, the letter of the law, really. If you've got your arms that high up, you're risking it, and you have to draw the line somewhere, right? And I get that when a player is jumping, they're going to use their hands to or their arms to elevate themselves, and so they can't do anything other than raise their their arms um but unfortunately you know you have to draw the line somewhere so if not there then it's and gonna have to he, be he wasn't somewhere jumping. else oh was he not jumping so he Mate, i'm just imagining no, he's making this up in floor. my head so, th- so that's what they were saying it's a completely unnatural position because he's got his arm up yeah. in the air and he ca- he quite clearly catches martinelli first with the the elbow or the arm and then it hits his arm afterwards so look it's one of those I don't like those decisions because of where they are. And um, it's like so far away from goal and everything. And the, the you're given a penalty for something that there's still a lot of work to even make a goal scoring situation from there. Yeah. However, yeah. by the letter of the law, it's a penalty. And at the same time, I, I felt it was more of like the elbow. Uh, but, but yeah, in real time, I... I it was kind of like, what's happened there? Like, is has he been stood on, or what? What is it? But, but yeah. And then, like Jorginho being given the pen, it was one of those. I was kind of thinking, give it to Encadia, get him a goal as well, get him involved in all the attacking players, get him his first Champions League goal, and it would have been a good opportunity. But at the same time, that's Jorginho's first Arsenal goal, and he's been brilliant this season. So mm. obviously, Spurs and aside he's really stepped up when we've had a lot of injuries and produced a level of consistency playing three games a week that I didn't think he would have been able to do so so yeah nice moment for him and it it was a well-taken pen as well it was well you know we know he's a penalty specialist despite missing one for Italy during the international break Um, but yeah as you say a very very influential player someone who's going to be really important for us this season. And actually, I think after this season, it will go, it will start to go downhill. He's 31 years old, he, you know, as, as, as the years go by. And I guess having studied so many players over the years, when you get to the ripe old age of, or in football years anyway, of about 32 slash 33, even 33 really pushing it. But yeah, I think this is, this is it now for Jorginho. The, the, it, it's 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 now or never. <laughs> you just want to write him off. Junior <laughs> couldn't run at twenty five. He can't. He's no different now physically. He's 
No, no, like, but there's I, other I things as well. Is... I mean, it, we're not just talking just in terms of their, you know, pace and their energy. It's also instincts. There's also things like, um, you know, just reading the game. I, I, and I get the more mature you are, in theory, you should be able to read the game better. But it's a young man's game. The, the game, the speed of the game is is getting quicker. Someone like Jorginho, it's not just him though. When you get to that age, I yeah, just think I mean, it has an impact on every player. I, you just suddenly I, find I, I, that dip. Jorginho is a top player, and it's all about his brain. So, I, I the, for me, it's a no-brainer to extend his contract next year. And um, but yeah. It's, I, I think he's a player we definitely disagree on. So, and I don't think <laughs> either of us will be, will be convinced either way. So, I think we should just enjoy the fact that he's got his first Arsenal goal and we've won six 0 So, so yeah. But look, all in all, I am buzzing with tonight. I think it's just such a we played such nice football. The the goals, especially Martinelli's, as I said, my favorite of the night, and then Odegaard's as well. Those two goals were. Just superb. So really, really pleased. And I think as well, the confidence that that'll give all of our attacking players going into Wolves at the weekend. I mm. Look, really pleased. And I think every Arsenal fan would be. And we should probably give a shout out to Monty, who's not here because yes. he's at the game. And um, so, yeah, what, what a game to be at. So hopefully he's enjoyed that. So I'm sure he will have. Yeah, and what's so annoying is that there were so many tickets on Ticket Exchange that either one of us could have been at the game as well. Uh, slightly irritating, but <laughs> we move and hopefully we're able to rejoice in an even bigger occasion yeah. in one of the knockout rounds. Yeah, unfortunately um, I'm, for I'm, me, I'm, it's yeah. they, they come Lights on in the day and I live three hours away, so it's yeah. um, it's it's just not possible to get a train down at that short notice given that it costs about 150 plus just for the train just uber it man just uber it just take <laughs> just take that hit you know something uber it down. At, at this rate <laughs> with uk trains uber is probably a competitive option so no that's way. how insane really? the train prices how much are would it cost if, no, you, if, you, if you wanted to take a taxi all the way down how much do you think it would, it would cost i have no idea probably a few hundred but Mm. I have no idea. I, I've never age, thought. Man. I'll just over. I'll just cut. I'll just over it to London tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. But no, it, yeah. um, there were tickets going, but they, they seem to be snapped up quite quick. They looked like a good crowd at the game. Midweek games are always hard uh, for a lot of people. So, the what a way to end the Champions League group. And I would imagine the next game, PSV. We will play a fairly weakened side. A lot of players will have their feet up. Uh, you would like to hope the likes of Saka won't be in the squad and will be using it as an opportunity to recover because the games are really thick and fast in this period. So it's not a game where you have want to have to play a strong team. Well, with Arteta, you just never know. So we'll just have to wait and find out. Um, so we've uh, finally arrived. It's now time Four. Sorry about the delay. I thought I pressed the button. I clearly did not. It is time for good, 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 bad. What? No, that's not how you say it. Good, 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 bad. So, uh, me and Adam, or we, we will, we will. Um, I, I, I will assign Adam his um, part, and ba basically, we won't give each of our good and good, good, and bad moments. So, uh, Adam, do you want to start us off with your good moment of the game? Um, good moment, Martinelli's goal. Just sensational. Lovely finish. Very, very um, Champions League worthy, I think would be the right way to put it. My good, good moment of the game was a moment that you mentioned um, near the end of that second half. It was Declan Rice and those two spectacular uh, challenges that he made. Um, loses the ball, wins it back, and then um, and loses it again and then wins it back again. So, you know, the, the man is... And, and I, I tweeted it out saying, you know, that De just Declan, nothing to see here, just Declan Rice doing Declan Rice things. It really is just that. It's become so normal to us now. We don't really need to comment on it. 
Um, but that's my good, good moment of the game. And you can finish us off by giving your bad moment of the game, if you can find one. I don't really have one. It's hard when you win 6-0 and keep a good... I obviously, six different scorers on a clean sheet. It's... I think Raya could have done a little bit more to be more involved in the game. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're you're trying to find a, a way to pick on someone. That, yeah. It's, um, <laughs> no, I think it's... Um, I, I genuinely don't know. It's... Like Kai Havertz misplaced one pass. It's, that's the kind of game it was. It was... Super unfair to be picking a bad yeah, moment in a game where we won six 0 That we didn't, sc- I'm, 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 that we didn't score ten. So I'm going to be greedy and say that. So um, fair. Like, it was the perfect performance. It was just we dealt with everything. Yep. So yeah, there, there in truth, there was no bad moments. It was just a really, really good performance all round. Okay, good stuff. Well, it's that time of the show again where we must say goodbye. Um, I do want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very, very much. If you did enjoy this episode, please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let us know what you thought of the show by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us over there at Arsenal Therapy. You can find Adam over there at Adam Keys underscore Monty at ATP Monty. And you can find myself over there at Gunner Since 96. As always, we'll be back in uh, just a few days to give you your usual weekly dose of Arsenal therapy. But if you can't wait until then, make sure to head head over to the Arsenal Therapy YouTube channel for the 15-minute show and the preview show. So until then, take care, have yourselves a lovely week, and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you very much. (laughs) Bye-bye.